Hello, chefs. This is Chef's PSA Podcast. I'm your host, Andre Natera. On today's episode, we're going to talk about job interviews and how to make sure that you get the job. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. First of all, let me give you a quick update for those of you that have been asking. All the Chef's PSA series books are now translated into Spanish. I'm about halfway through the Italian translation. So I would imagine the books will be translated fully into Italian, all five books, within two weeks. So for those of you that have been asking, give me two weeks and I'll have them ready for you. Always go to chefspsa.com. You can find all the books there, including the free ebooks, the Culinary Dictionary, the 100 Recipes the critical path on how to open up a restaurant. So if you are thinking about opening up a restaurant, you should probably download that. It's for free. You go to chefspsa.com to go get it. And of course, if you're looking for good chef merch, also chefspsa.com, you go to the merch store there if you want to support the show. Now on to today's subject. I get a lot of questions about job interviews. People are sliding into my DMs all the time saying, hey, I'm applying for this job. Do you have any advice? Now, I did a podcast early on in the Chef's PSA series talking about cooking interviews, but... I don't want to talk about cooking interviews today. I more so want to talk about the job interview. So if you're the person interviewing, how to make sure that you get the job as a cook or a chef, how to go about the process. So these are some best practices that I advise people. I cover this in the Culinary Leadership Fundamentals book, as well as the Line Cook Survival Manual. But let's get into it a little bit more in depth. First of all, I think people need to understand the easiest way to get a job is if you're already in the building because you're already hired. So it's easy to get promoted in a kitchen that you're, you are already in. So for example, you're a line cook somewhere, a sous chef position opens up, you're already in the building, the chef potentially already knows you and knows what you're capable of doing. It's easier to get the job when you're in the building. That's the fastest and easiest way. The next easiest way is to make sure that you have an advocate for you. And what I mean by that is maybe you have a friend that's a chef somewhere else that wants to hire you, or maybe a friend somewhere else is working in a kitchen and they could get you in. They know of positions, they're calling you up and they're saying, hey, we got a position for you, why don't you come here? Another good way to advocate is if you have a good relationship with your chef, a lot of times they are picking up the phone and making the phone call for you, getting you into kitchens that you might otherwise might not be able to get into. And we often talk about surrounding yourself with the best cooks and chefs and working in great kitchens. Now, one of the reasons why that's super important to work in great kitchens is because a lot of times, when you are in those great kitchens and it's time to go, they're picking up the phone and saying, hey, I have someone that's moving to your city. Do you have anything for them? And it's a great way 
to get your foot in the door in restaurants, high-end kitchens, where otherwise they might not give you much consideration. So having an advocate for you is really gonna be the best way to get into another kitchen. And this also goes into something that I say often, don't burn bridges because you never know when you're gonna to have to cross them. Make sure you leave on good terms with your chef, give a proper notice, whatever that may be. Some places it's two weeks. Some positions I advise giving more than two weeks. But thinking that you're gonna never have to cross that bridge again is short-sighted and trust me, People have long memories when it comes to bridges being burned. Be wise in your decisions because I often have received phone calls. I've often called up chef friends of mine and say, hey, do you know this person? And they'll say, yeah, don't hire him, stay away. Now, I might not know the backstory, but I trust my friend that's the chef, so I'm not gonna hire the person. And that's just the reality of the way the industry is. So a lot of people miscalculate the fact that they think no one knows each other, but people do know each other and people do talk in this industry. So make sure you're not burning any bridges. Anyway. We digress. As I said, the easiest way to get into another kitchen is to make sure that you have an advocate for you. Now, let's just say you don't have an advocate for you. Well, there's the old-fashioned way apply. And I think we should probably put apply off to the side because it's obvious that you could apply at a job and show up and do the job interview, and that's the easy way. But let's talk about some strategies that are maybe not so obvious. One with social media. You could now DM chefs and restaurants and ask if they're hiring. You could build a relationship with them. Make sure you keep it professional, right? So for example, if you notice that the restaurant is very polished and upscale, don't go in with, hey bro, can I come work for you? You know, use the appropriate language that you think that they use in that place. If it's a, hey bro, can I come work for you place, then use that. But if it's a chef, may I, please schedule an appointment to come work for you. Uh, you know, different things. And maybe it's not chef, may I come work for you, but you understand the point is if it's a more formal place, you're probably going to want to use a more formal language. Pay attention. I mean, there's a lot of context clues in how they write their posts on Instagram, what kind of language that they use. Are they super casual or are they a little bit more formal? Anyway, regardless, pay attention to those clues and then start messaging a lot of chefs and DMing them and seeing where you can get in. A lot of chefs respond to DMs. Now I respond to a lot of DMs and I get hundreds of DMs, like, and I try to respond to as many of them as I can. And I promise you, most chefs don't get as many DMs as me. And if I could respond, they could respond. So if they're not responding, it's because, you know, maybe they just don't want to respond. But I think you could dispel that myth that, oh, maybe they didn't see it because they're a big chef and they, they didn't have a chance to see the DMs. They do, trust me. So DM is a good way, email them, and then sometimes just show up. Show up to the restaurant, and I, I got to say a little caveat. Don't show up during service. Like, I know when I was a chef, i get frustrated. Someone would come in looking for a job at like 7 p.m. Friday night. They want to come talk to the chef and say, hey, are you hiring? I was like, why would you show up on a Friday night at 7 p.m. in the middle of service to want to have a conversation if I'm hiring? It, it doesn't make any sense, but people are sometimes stupid, and they do things like that. So don't go during prime time. I mean, if you're in the business, you should know what prime time is, right? Lunch service, if it's a lunch restaurant, dinner service, breakfast service, if it's that kind of restaurant. Go during when you assume off hours are, when people are prepping or probably sitting down, if the chef's paying invoices or doing their admin work. That's when you want to show up. Be respectful. Have your resume in hand. Even if you've applied online, Make sure that you bring your resume because a lot of times I know I've interviewed people and I'll be very busy. Let's say I have a position open and 50 people have applied for it. And I've looked through resumes. I call someone, we schedule the interview. And then maybe we're meeting for coffee 
And then I show up and I say, can I see your resume? They're like, oh, I emailed it to you. It's like, well, 50 people emailed me their resume. And I left the folder on the desk. So I'm going to have to stop the interview, go to back to my desk, dig through 50 resumes to find your resume that you should have brought to the interview. It's a red flag. So I advise you, even if you've already emailed the resume in, bring a copy of your resume in hand when you show up to the interview. That's like 101. That, honestly, that's a big pet peeve of mine when it came to job interviews. So I think, I think that's probably why I'm getting out of order here a little bit. But anyway, show up to the place, resume in hand, ready to cook in case they ask you to stay in stage. A lot of places might make you stage. They might make you do a simple cooking test or do a viewing stage. It might just be sit down and start talking. But you need to show up. They need to start knowing you, whether you're writing a letter, whether you're sending a DM, whether you're showing up in person, whether you have an advocate, they need to know that you're interested when you get there. Now let's talk about when you do get there. What do you do? Well, first impressions go a long way. The old expression, dress for the part that you want, is important. So if you're, if you're applying for an executive position, like let's say you're going for an executive chef position in a corporation, you might want to show up maybe in very crisp chef whites or in a suit and tie. I think that would be appropriate for an executive level position. If you're applying for a CDC position and you know you're having a sit-down interview with the owner, well, you might not need to wear chef whites, but you want to look polished and presentable. If you are interviewing for a cook position and there is the chance that you are going to cook, you want to make sure that you are ready to cook in whatever it is that you're wearing. Maybe you bring an apron, have some knives in your car in case you are asked to stay and work. You need to be prepared for anything that may come at you. And a lot of times in restaurants, it's like, great, we need you to write, we need you to start today, go change, come back. So you need to make sure that if that happens that you don't say, oh, I, I can't, I need to go home. I need to get my knives. I didn't bring my apron because the person that does show up prepared has a greater chance of getting the job over you. Like, just think about that for a moment. Two people, are, two people are applying for the same job. One shows up prepared and ready to cook. And the other one says, I got to go home. Can I reschedule this? Who do you think is going to get the job? It's common sense. The person who showed up ready to work and cook and didn't have excuses and didn't have to reschedule, they are probably getting the job over you. So again, show up prepared and dressed appropriately for the job that you're interviewing in. And granted, it might be appropriate to show up in a t-shirt and a baseball cap and somewhere else it might be appropriate to show up in a suit and tie. Use some common sense, look at the situation, have some situational awareness, see how the other people are dressed, understand what that restaurant is. Like I said, if it's super high luxury, you might wanna go in a little bit more polished. Now let's talk about first impressions. First impressions go an extremely long way. And a lot of people will tell you they're making their hiring decision based on that first impression. Here's some tips when it comes to making a great first impression. One, and by the way, a lot of the tips that I'm going to give you are body language based or something called neuro-linguistic programming. You should look that up. But anyway, let's get right into it. When I'm introducing myself to the person for the first time, I would shake their hand, assuming a handshake is appropriate. I would introduce myself and I would make sure I say their name two times within the first minute of the introduction. So for example, I go up to someone and I say, hi, my name is Andre, I shake their hand. And they say, hi, Andre, I'm Bob. I say, hey, Bob, it's great to meet you, Bob, or something like that, right? I wanna make sure that I say Bob's name at least twice within the first minute of meeting them. Maybe we go sit down and I say something as simple as, hey, Bob, do you mind if I have a seat? I just wanna make sure that I say their name twice. I make sure I give a good handshake 
and I make good eye contact. I'm confident. And it's a neutral handshake, so that means this, straight up and down vertically. Firm handshake goes a long way. Good eye contact, saying their name twice. And the reason you say someone's name in a job interview when you first meet them, it's a subtle trick. The old expression, the sweetest sound to anyone's ears is the sound of their own name. So if you're saying it twice, it's just a little subliminal programming that they are starting to like you, right? Just, it's just a small advantage that you could give yourself. People love the sound of their own name. So if you're saying their name, they like it in most cases. Then maybe you're going to move on to sitting down. Always say, may I please have a seat? Do you mind if I sit down? Something like that. Don't just sit down. Make sure your body language looks good. Good posture, smile, good eye contact. Not creepy eye contact. Sometimes that's weird. But you know, a good amount of eye contact is appropriate. Job interviews are pretty standard. They're going to ask most of the time pretty standard questions. If you're working at a place that's maybe a corporation, they probably have a script of questions that they have to ask you. You could probably do a simple Google search, and I highly recommend this, do a Google search on interview questions and practice the job interview. One of the things that I recommend to people when they're doing job interviews is record yourself with your iPhone, do a mock interview with someone, and pay attention to your body language and your answers, and then watch it back a little bit and correct yourself little by little. You'd be surprised how your body language looks when you're doing a job interview, how you're answering things, if you're fidgeting, all these things are important because you want to be aware of it before the actual job interview and have someone that you trust read scripted questions so you can see how you're going to answer them. You don't want to be surprised by anything that they're going to ask you. And I'm not going to get into job interview questions because, you know, they're going to be pretty obvious. But for the most part, you could do a simple Google search and know what people are going to ask. Now, usually as the job interview is wrapping up, they're going to say, do you have any questions? Now, this is the opportunity because when you're doing a job interview, keep in mind, they're interviewing you you're also interviewing them. Something a lot of people forget about, like you need to decide if you wanna work there. They're trying to sell you on the job as much as you're trying to sell yourself to the job. So make sure that you have good interview questions so you understand what it is. The worst thing you could say, and this, this used to annoy me to no end when I'd ask someone, do you have any questions? And they would say, nope, you've answered them all. Or like, I answered all your questions, everything. You don't need to know anything about the restaurant, about the culture here about me, about any of the other chefs, about the history, because I didn't talk about any of that. But they say I've answered all their questions. It just shows a lack of preparedness. So make sure you have some questions prepared. I recommend a minimum of three questions whenever you're going into a job interview. Three is pretty safe. I don't think you need more than three, but a minimum of three questions is good. And if you're not sure what to ask, a good thing is, to ask questions about the person interviewing you. Hopefully they're the chef, but you wanna ask questions about them. And as I said earlier, people love the sound of their own name. People's favorite subject is themselves. So if you ask them questions about themselves, they will talk about themselves. People love talking about themselves. I got a whole podcast about that. I'm not exempt from this. People love talking about themselves. So when you start to ask people questions, about themselves and they get to talk about themselves, a lot of times they leave that job interview saying, I really liked that person. And maybe you didn't say anything. It's just that they got to talk about themselves the entire interview, which is a good thing. So you, you got to play into their ego a little bit, right? Because everyone's got an ego to a certain extent, right? So you want to feed into that a little bit, ask them questions about themselves. Their favorite subject is themselves. So don't forget that. One other quick tip, make sure you know who you're interviewing with and make sure you've done your due diligence on the restaurant and the person that you're interviewing with. Know who they are, know where they've worked. 
it shouldn't be that difficult to find out who the chef is of a, of a restaurant and get a little bit of their history. I mean, it's, it's 2023. We have the internet, we have social media. You should be able to find out. There's nothing worse than someone that's saying that they want to work for you, but they don't even know your name or anything about you. Right. As we talked about the ego of the chef, they don't want someone to work for them. If they don't even stroke their ego a little bit during the job interview, because I guarantee you someone else is that's interviewing after you. So why not give yourself a small competitive advantage when it comes to this? Then when you're wrapping up the, the interview, you always want to thank them for their time, shake their hand, make good eye contact, and then ask the question, what should I expect for the next steps? This at least leaves the conversation open to, okay, we're, we got other candidates to interview, or we're going to send you a survey to fill out, or you're going to schedule a cooking interview, or you're going to interview with this other person. Whatever the case may be, at least you understand what the timeline may look like for the next steps and what to expect. Ideally, hopefully they let you know that you don't got the job if you don't got it so you can move on. But I'll tell you, as someone who's hired a lot of people, sometimes that interview process could be long, especially when you're talking in corporate environments and things like that. You might have to go through several interviews, like it might be the chef, the sous chef, the HR director, the general manager of the hotel or something like that. In other places, it might be you could start now. A lot of places make you do a background check and all these things. So it could be a lengthy process or it could be an extremely short process. With all that being said, that should not stop you. If you are looking for a job, don't just put all your eggs in one basket and wait. If they say, we'll let you know, and you're waiting, it's been three weeks and you haven't heard, you should be applying at other jobs. They might not be getting back to you. That happens. They might've sent you a rejection email that went to your spam folder. I don't know. But the fact of the matter is, you cannot wait. If you are looking for a job, you need to be relentless. Someone asked me the other day, I want to work in a great restaurant. I said, well, okay, well, Google all the great restaurants in that city and apply to all of them. DM all the chefs. One of them is going to get back to you. You might get a lot of no's, but you, all you need is that one yes to get in. So you can't just apply at one place and then fingers crossed, let's hope it happens. It doesn't work that way. You want to make sure that you increase the likelihood of you getting the job that you want because you've applied at multiple places. So if you're looking to get into, into a certain level, you would apply at all the places that are at that level versus just one restaurant, wait for a yes or no, and then go to the next place. No, try and get into as many as you can, right? Make sure that you're upfront about your salary and your expectations, you know, what you can and can't work because there's nothing more annoying to an employer than if you say, I have open availability. And then as soon as you start, you say, I don't and I need this day off. Or you agreed upon a salary and then you get there and then a couple of weeks later you say, actually, I need a little bit more money. You wanna make sure that all that is open and transparent in the beginning phases, not just for you, but it's also respectful for them, right? You, like I said earlier, you don't wanna burn a bridge. In a lot of places, they might not be able to give you an increase for six months to a year later. So as you are accepting that salary, you need to make sure that you're okay with it. You need to be willing to live with that salary for a minimum of a year. If not, then you need to speak up. If not, you're going to resent them and they are also going to resent you for not speaking up. So make sure that you are transparent with that and upfront early on. Some other things that I do is I send a follow-up email or I will write a thank you card. A handwritten thank you card sometimes goes a long way. And like if I went to an interview and maybe I did a panel interview and I've done this in the past, I was panel interviewed by several people. I got all their names and I wrote each one of them an individual handwritten thank you card. Handwritten, I think, goes a lot further than a follow-up email. It's just more personalized. 
and not a lot of people do it. So you want to do little things that will get them to remember you. I advise people sometimes bring them a gift, find out what their favorite chocolate is. And if you're doing a cooking interview, say, I brought this for you because I knew you liked whatever, or I brought you a gift from home. Like for example, let's say you're interviewing from one city to the next. And you say, this is our local olive oil that we serve at our restaurant. I wanted to bring you a small gift. And anyway, it's a small gift, but they're going to remember you. These little things go a long way because when you're interviewing for a position, it's what can you do that's going to stick out from the competition. I tell people all the time, you don't have to be the best candidate for the job. You just have to be better than the other person applying. That's it. You don't know who else is applying. You might be the best candidate for the job based off the people that are applying. So a lot of people sometimes are intimidated to apply for a job because they think I'm not good enough for it. I was on the phone with a friend of mine the other day who's looking for a chef for a very great place where they are at. Like the kind of place that it's like, you got to be pretty high level and high skill to work there. And they're asking me if I know anybody because they have one applicant. And I thought to myself, whoever comes in that's just better than this other applicant, they're going to get the job. And it's a dream job that most chefs don't think about. But a lot of times people look at positions and they think, I'm not qualified for that. I couldn't get it. But they might not know. They might be one of two candidates and they're better than the other candidate. So they might be getting the dream job that they were just too afraid to apply for. Trust me, it happens way more than people realize. A lot of people get the job because they are the best available candidate and they might not be ready for it. So create your opportunities is what I'm saying, right? The person who takes action has every advantage over the person who is afraid to act. And the last thing I'll say, if you do happen to get rejected for the job, make sure you maintain professionalism with them because you never know when you may cross paths again and let them know, say, even though I didn't get the job this time, please keep me in mind because I would really want to work for you in the future if a position ever opens up. Because you never know, that person that got the job instead of you may last a week. Trust me, it happens. They get there, they decide they didn't like it or they turned out to not be a great employee and they're gone a week later. And then you're getting the phone call and saying, are you still interested in the job? So make sure you keep the doors open, don't burn a bridge, and you'll have many more opportunities available to you. Anyway, that's it for today. Thank you all very much. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe and the like button. I appreciate it. If you're on Spotify or iTunes, make sure you leave five stars. Nothing less than five stars. Only good people leave five stars. So if you're not leaving five stars, well, clearly you're not a good person. Anyway, go to chefspsa.com. You can get everything there, the books, the merch. Thank you very much. Hit the porno music.